Our reading today is from Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You can see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's wonderful to have as our speaker today, Emily Chisnell. Lots of you will know Emily. Uh, she's one of our student pastors here. And would you give her a very warm welcome? Thanks, Stephen. Good morning, everyone. A really warm welcome. Wonderful to hear Helen's story of her life being transformed by Jesus. And it's a joy today to start our new series on these cross, on cross-shaped lives. And we're going to be looking today in Mark chapter 5, so do keep that passage open with you if you have your Bible, as we see a life um, that has been transformed by encountering Jesus. A beautiful passage of fear being turned into faith of suffering into peace, of mourning into joy, and of death into life. And today I want to speak about the healing power of the cross, that we might be people who reach out and touch Jesus and experience his power to heal, his power to restore, his power to set us free to be sent out in love. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience, I'm sure you have, of being uh, trying to push through your way in a big crowd. I mean, for some people, that's your worst nightmare, being tightly packed in a big crowd. Perhaps it's being at a, um, a football stadium, being at a sports match, trying to get somewhere through a crowd. Perhaps it's been at a gig, trying to get out, trying to move through somewhere. Perhaps it might even be trying to get a cookie at the end of the service in the foyer. I'm sure that's only the children, but I know some of you are desperate for those cookies. But we read today of a woman who pushes through the crowds, this tightly packed following around Jesus with focus, and determination to touch even just the hem of his garment. What we hear about this woman, a woman who'd suffered a great deal, she'd suffered hemorrhaging of blood for 12 years. She'd experienced so much physical pain. She'd suffered from a condition that couldn't be treated. She'd spent all her money on trying to find an answer to her suffering. In fact, though even the cures were making things worse, 
She was experiencing much physical pain. But it wasn't just the physical suffering that she experienced. She experienced great humiliation and shame. In a culture where the condition she was in, her menstrual bleeding, it, it made her ceremonially unclean. It meant that she had to stay away from crowds. That if she touched people in those crowds, that they were then made unclean. In fact, she would have had to publicly declare her condition wherever she went. She wouldn't even have been allowed in the area reserved for women to come and worship at the temple. She'd been so isolated for much of her time of suffering. Yet she'd heard of this Jesus. She'd heard reports of his power to heal, testimonies of people being set free from their diseases. In fact, Jesus is on the way to heal another man's daughter when she comes and finds him. And in her desperation, she decides to risk it all, to push through the shame and the pain in order just to touch Jesus, touch the hem of his garment, of his robe. Because she says in verse 28, she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Believing that one touch could make her well. So firstly, let's consider Jesus' power to heal. Because we read in verse 29, as she reaches out and touches, pushing through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt that her body was free from suffering. Her disease had gone. And you know, I've heard it said that when God acts, he acts in two speeds, either wait or suddenly. And um, I mean, I'm not sure, I think he also does walk with us day by day, but there is a certain truth, I think, to that. And here she certainly experiences a suddenly of God, an immediate sense of the power of God breaking into her situation, of healing, a miracle being brought to her. And just take a moment, imagine the relief this woman must have felt after such a long time to experience her physical pain being lifted as she's drawn to Jesus, as she reaches out and touches him. And we see here Jesus' power to bring physical healing. And all throughout the Gospels, particularly Mark's Gospels, we see time and time again Jesus healing people. He restores sight to the blind. He makes the lame walk, the deaf hear. He touches those with leprosy and they're made clean. The dead are raised. There is power in his name, there's power in his touch, there's power in his word to heal. And you know, when Jesus starts his ministry, he declares as he opens up the scroll and, and reads from Isaiah, he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what I've come to do, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. This is his mission statement. This is what he came to do. And whenever Jesus proclaimed the good news, we see healings that followed, healings that accompanied as a sign of the kingdom of God breaking in. And we believe today here at St. Aldate's, here at this church, that the same Jesus who healed the sick that we read about in the Gospels is the same Jesus who has the power to heal today. Even in the past couple of weeks, we've seen miraculous healings in our community. We've seen signs of God's kingdom breaking in. I've seen various healings throughout my Christian life. I'd love to see more, but I remember there was one time I was um, visiting a community in Mozambique, and I'll never forget this. There was a man who'd suffered a lung disease for many, many years. He was sat on his mat in a rural village outside of his house, and a group of the community prayed for him. And it was like physically watching him being able to breathe again. 
as his lungs were healed and he received Christ as his savior. You know, for this woman, her uncleanness, her, I guess, considered unholiness was no match for the holiness of God. And we'd love to offer an invitation today to pray for healing, to pray that the kingdom of God would break into our lives. And yet, on the other hand, as we hear about physical healing, as we read about it in the Gospels, as we pray to see more of it, there will be many in the room today, myself included, who have prayed for healing and have not seen it, who are perhaps still suffering from long-term illnesses or grieving the loss of people that we've prayed for. And honestly, in the time that I've been a Christian, I've had prayed for people and absolutely nothing has happened. And prayed for people and sometimes they've got healed and I think, why them? Why did that happen and not others? But you know, I think somewhere there has to be a space for those two kind of train tracks to run together of joy and sorrow as we follow Jesus. And so often things are happening amazing in our lives and difficult things at the same time. But it's important to know that we can bring our unanswered questions to God. We can bring to him our pain and our suffering and our anger and confusion and know that he meets us in the midst of it, that we're not alone, that we find comfort as we come together as the body of Christ. And we also praise God for medical professionals in the room. I know there's many of you here today and saw some joining us online and we thank God for the healing that you bring to many through what you do and we wanna keep praying for you in all that you're doing. But somehow these tensions are held together in Christ because we know that Jesus who came He will come again, and one day as we read that promise in Revelation, there will be a time where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death, and there will be no mourning, no more mourning, there will be no more pain or crying, for the old will have gone, and the new will have come. And we somehow live in this tension of the now and not yet. And some of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard are people that have walked through suffering, or perhaps even still in the midst of it, but can still say, God, you are good and my hope is in you. And as we journey towards Easter and consider what it looks like to live cross-shaped lives, we remember that the healing power of the cross is far greater than just our need for physical healing, that the healing power of the cross isn't just skin deep, it gets to the root of the problem of our deepest needs that Jesus, the great physician, he knows how to diagnose and to heal the deepest need that we have trying to build our lives on our identity, on anything other than Jesus. Ultimately, it's our sin that he came to set us free from. And however we might try and mask the situations that we're going on, perhaps put a plaster on things, nothing in this world can take it away. Nothing else can satisfy us the way Jesus can. You know, there's this, the problem of sin is that it breaks the heart of God and it pollutes the world around us, but it also pollutes us inside. And it's only the power of the cross that can bring true soul healing and the restoration that can be found in him. So secondly, we see Jesus restores. Because this woman had not only experienced physical healing from Jesus, she also experiences emotional healing and spiritual healing. I was once on a crowded tube when I was about four years old with my family. I don't remember this, but they love to remind me of this story. We were packed in, and um, I think there's an unspoken rule on the tube that you don't look at anyone, let alone speak to anyone. You just kind of keep your eyes fixed somewhere else. And I don't know if it's just a southern thing. People are a little bit more chatty up north, but you don't talk to anyone. You keep yourself to yourself. And apparently it was a packed tube, but it was silent. And as a northern four-year-old, I was getting a bit bored. And um, apparently, as we were all squished together on this tube, 
I leant forward to this kind of businessman that was, I guess, with his eyes closed, trying to not talk to anyone or engage with anyone around him. I got right up in his face and shouted, Wakey, wakey! <laughs> Apparently, even the Southerners decided to laugh at this point. I was not letting this man go unnoticed. I'd clocked him, and, and I was going to wake him up. And in the busyness of the crowd pressing in around Jesus, this woman thought she could just come in unnoticed, touch him, and go away. But Jesus wasn't letting her go unnoticed. We read in verse 30, as he realized the power had gone from him, he says, who touched my clothes? And the disciples around him are like, Jesus, what are you on about? Everyone is touching your clothes right now. You're being pressed in from every side. But he says again, who touched me? And he looks around to see who had touched him. And you might have been coming here for a while, or perhaps this is even your first time, or perhaps you're joining us at home today, and you may feel a little bit anonymous. You may feel a little bit like you want to stay that way, perhaps even. You're just kind of peering in on the edge. You're not quite feeling like you're fully part of this community. A bit like sometimes, you know, when you're part of a WhatsApp group or a few where you just like to read what's going on but never actually contribute. I'm definitely guilty of doing that a few times. But let me tell you this today. No one who comes to Jesus to receive from him, to come near to him, who reaches out to him, can go unnoticed. He sees you. But Jesus isn't looking for a one-sided relationship. He's not, you know, a spiritual cash machine where we just sort of put in and ask for what we want and then leave. No, he came to give us something far greater, to restore our relationship with God. It's Augustine who famously said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And I want us to hear this today. You can't experience the power of God without the intimacy of God. You can't experience the power of God without the intimacy of God. Jesus didn't want to just physically heal this woman as, as great as that was. He wanted to also get deeper than that and heal her dignity and her shame. He wanted to bring healing to her deepest pain, her spiritual need for him. You know, what a beautiful question he asks as so many people are touching him. Only one person truly touched him that day. Who touched me? What moved his heart? And as Jesus, as she, as she touched Jesus, he had a sensation of kind of power leaving him, of, of becoming weak in that moment. He, if you like, lost his power so that she could gain her strength. But actually, ultimately, the only way for us to truly experience power and life was for Jesus to experience weakness and death. And on the cross, he lost his very life so that we could live forever. And this is the healing power of the cross. And the cross wasn't just kind of an abstract event. It's God saying, no, this is personal. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses four to five, we have a beautiful prophecy of the cross. Surely, speaking of Jesus, surely he took up, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus, the Holy One of God, who lived a perfect, sinless, beautiful life, let us not move on too quickly by remembering that it was my sin and your sin that nailed him to the cross. 
that pierced his side, that put the crown of thorns upon his head, that by his suffering, by his shedding of his blood, he bled so that we would never have to bleed again, so that we would know ultimately peace with God, so that we could be healed, restored, forgiven, and set free, and made holy. You know, his radical holiness makes a way for radical inclusion for anyone, no matter where you've done, no matter where you've been, to come to him. What moves Jesus? You do. If you'd have been the only person that have ever lived, he still would have died on the cross because he loves you. Don't miss out on what Jesus has for you today. He suffered for you. He was beaten for you. He was tortured for you. He died for you. He went to hell and back for you. And on the third day, he rose again for you. And we read again and again in the Gospels how Jesus had compassion on the crowds, but he was also moved by the individuals. He stopped for the one. You know, he says in the Seven on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so as you come to Jesus today, with whatever need you may have, whatever, if you like, hemorrhaging you might be experiencing, be that sin, weariness, need for healing, shame, addiction, longing for others perhaps you know in your life to be set free or to come to know him. The invitation today is come as you are before him. Reach out towards him in faith. Even a faint spirit will touch his heart. And there may be those today who like that woman, want to be forgiven and set free for the, perhaps the first time. Maybe it's been 12 years, maybe it's been 20 years of trying to fill a void, trying to fix problems with other things, knowing that ultimately the true freedom and healing can only come from Jesus. My invitation to you today is to reach out to Jesus and receive all that he died for you to receive today. And perhaps there's those among us who just want a fresh touch of his love and of his healing and perhaps even the joy of our salvation. And sometimes we experience immediate kind of experience and an encounter with God, and sometimes we wait, but he always hears us. He never turns us away. I know I long, as we journey towards Easter in the next few weeks, I long to experience more of that intimacy and healing and freedom in my life, knowing that absolutely nothing can satisfy us the way Jesus can. Apart from him, we have nothing. Like Laura was speaking about last night, we want to live last night, sorry, last, last Sunday, live lives that are truly dependent on the presence of God, putting our trust in him afresh each day. And what would it look like for us to be a church marked by this holy longing for Jesus, a people that are continually reaching out to touch him? It would be a sign of a church fully on fire, spreading his love to the world around us. I think there's also a beautiful reminder in how we pray in this passage as well. The way that perhaps we ask God to move our hearts for what moves his. You know, as that woman touched the hem of Jesus, when you get dig into it a bit more, she actually touched, if you like, the tassel of his robe. And what that was symbolic of in the Jewish culture was symbolic of the law of the word of God. It was like she reached out to touch the authority that he had. And so when we pray, we know that we can stand on truth of, of the scriptures, that we pray in the power of the word and spirit, holding on to the promises of God. Because we see in these final verses the power of the restoration that Jesus brings to this woman's life. In verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet in fear and trembling 
and told him the whole truth. She'd been spotted. She couldn't hide anymore. She had to come before Jesus. She can't hide in his presence. And understandably, she's fearful because she's made herself known in a crowd. She'd risked making everyone else unclean. But when she encounters Jesus, her fear is turned into faith. She comes out of hiding and everything is brought into the light. She brings her whole self before Jesus. She confesses all. But yet, nothing was a match for his holiness and his power to heal her. She can now freely confess her story. And I think sometimes we think we have to come to church with a kind of Sunday best version of ourselves. Like if people really knew what was going on or what happened this week, I wouldn't be allowed back. But it just gets exhausting if we come here like that. You know, one of my biggest barriers when I was an undergrad of coming back to church after a long time away from God was thinking that I just didn't belong in church, that I wouldn't be accepted, that I had to sort out all the stuff in my life before someone like me could come back to God. That's the complete opposite of the gospel, of the truth, of what Jesus came to do. Because I remember coming into this place, into this church, thinking quite nervously, how's this going to go? But as I was met by the love of God, as I experienced a tangible sense of Jesus' love for me, the power of the Holy Spirit washed over me. And it was like all I could do was just kneel and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, can I come back to you? And his light just met me and flooded me in that place, washing away all that I had done. And that is an invitation to each and every one of us. And you know, church should be a place that is messy. It doesn't mean we have to kind of broadcast everything that's going on in our lives to every single person, but we can bring it to Jesus. And I often say to people, you know, if you can't cry in church, where can you cry? I remember being a bit annoyed the first few times I came, came to church that I just couldn't not cry every time I walked into this building. And I didn't think of myself as a particularly emotional person. I was like, oh my goodness, here it's going again. But it was healing. It was just like God was just washing away and touching my heart afresh every time I came into the building. And this is the beautiful healing power of the cross. That on the cross, as we heard in that testimony earlier, that Jesus doesn't deny our pain and suffering. No, he meets us right in the thick of it, right in the middle of it. Jesus isn't put off by our infirmities, by the things we've done, by the things we're carrying. No, on the cross, he bore them. And this is the restoring power of the cross. This is, if you like, what it actually just means to be a Christian, to die to ourselves and receive the gift of this new life from Jesus. Because we see that once he meets her, once she falls at his feet, he then sends her out in peace. And what a sweet sense of peace that must have been for this woman. I think so often the most evident work of the power of God in our lives is, no matter what we're going through, just a deep sense of, of peace. No matter what storms we're going through, just a sense of knowing God and his presence, his peace with us. And so might we be a people that hold out his peace and his healing to a broken world to offer the hope and the restoring power of the cross to people around us. John Wimber, who founded of the Vineyard Movement, said, we don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. And so if we want to be more fruitful in seeing healing and seeing breakthrough, we've got to spend more time with Jesus, living lives marked by this healing power of the cross, who can carry peace even into the most difficult situations. So my invitation to you this Lent season as we journey towards Easter is will you reach out and touch him? And there's an invitation at the end of this service to come forward for prayer. 
And we love to pray for people, but it's also in the week. Perhaps take time this week to even read through Mark's gospel. It's the shortest one. It's, it's easy to get through or listen to it on your way to work or before you go to bed to just spend time being reminded of who Jesus is and his power to heal. Letting our eyes be reset on him afresh. But perhaps also, why not have a go at praying for healing, at, at seeing what might happen as we perhaps even in our small groups or in our communities offer for pray for people for healing, whatever that may be. And we love hearing stories and testimonies of the way Jesus is shaping lives and setting people free. There's power in those stories. So let's share the stories with one another as we step out in faith. Because finally, we see in that that final verse, verse 34, those beautiful words that Jesus says to the woman. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, what a wonderful thing that would have been to that woman who has been isolated for so long, who has suffered so much, to now find herself welcomed into the family of God, being called a daughter. You know, everything changes when we know our identity as a son or daughter of the Most High God. We find ourselves, no matter what we've been through, with a deep sense of security and of peace and of joy knowing that our identity is secure in him. Daughter, your faith has healed you. That word there used for faith, used for healing, it encompasses so much more than just her physical healing. It's salvation, it's restoration. She has been brought into that deep place of healing. And then go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He sends her out in peace. So as we draw to to our close now, and I'm going to invite the band up, let us pray together that we would know more of what touches God's heart, that we might draw near to him in faith and hold on to him. And as I was meditating on this passage this week, I was reminded of um, in Isaiah, where he has a vision of the Lord in chapter 6, and he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, the train of his robe filling the temple. And you know, the temple was a massive place, and even if just the train filled the temple, it would have been a pretty big robe that was filling that place. And I just had this sense of the Lord's robe, if you like, his presence is vast, that there is enough for each and every one of us, that he is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who need healing today. He's near to those who need the joy of his salvation. So reach out and touch him in faith. Amen.